I was on Jericho Turnpike heading west when the messages started coming in. I squeezed the wheel of my Honda Pilot and swerved right, pulling into a Staples parking lot. I hit the brakes and came to a stop halfway into a spot. I wasn't ready for them. Just a bit earlier, I'd been taking deep breaths trying to stay calm because I was so nervous. Scared to death, really. Soon, I would be in a room filled with suffering people. My role that evening was to try to ease their pain. My fear was that I would make it worse. I was wearing a plain black shirt and black pants. I didn't want anyone to be distracted by patterns on my shirt or flowers on my dress. I'd skip dinner because I was too anxious to eat. My husband Garrett wasn't home from work yet, so I'd asked my mother to watch our two young children until he got back. I was running late and I tried to make up some time on the busy road, but traffic was slow. Then, suddenly, they started to come to me. The children. All at once, as a group, they were there. It was astonishing. It was like being alone in a room when suddenly the door opens and 10 or 15 people come in. You might not even see them or hear them, but still you know they're there. You can feel them. You know you're not alone anymore. That is what it felt like in my Honda Pilot. I knew I wasn't alone. Then came the words and names and stories and pleas and descriptions and images and all the things they wanted to share. So many, I had to slow them down. Wait a second. Wait a second, I said aloud as I fumbled in my purse for my little red notepad and pen. I started writing as fast as I could, but I couldn't keep up with all the messages I was getting. It was all just pouring out. Tell them I am still here, one said. Tell them I am still part of their lives, said another. Tell them I love you and I see everything that goes on. Please don't cry for me. I'm okay. I am not dead. I am still your child. Don't think of me as gone. I am not gone. Please tell them I'm not gone. I sat in my crookedly parked car outside Staples and kept scribbling, a woman surrounded by children no one else could see. Finally, after a few minutes, I tucked the notes in my purse, got back on the road, and drove as fast as I could to the Huntington Hilton on Broad Hollow Road. I raced through the hotel lobby and found the conference room where the event was being held. A sign outside gave only a hint of what would happen that night. It read, How to Listen When Your Children Speak. The conference room was ordinary. Brown curtains, overhead lights, plush carpet, swivel chairs. In the middle of the room, there was a large rectangular table with 19 people seated stiffly around it. When I walked in, they all turned toward me and fell completely silent. Their faces were sad and haunted. It felt like a full minute before anyone so much as breathed. These were the parents. The evening's hosts, Fran and Bob Ginsburg, the directors of the Forever Family Foundation, came over and broke the tension. They hugged me hello and offered me a chair. I said no thanks, there was no way I could sit. I was way too nervous. Bob stood in front of the room and cleared his throat. This is Laura Lynn Jackson, he said in a soft voice. She's a certified medium with the Forever Family Foundation, and she's here tonight to help us learn how to talk to our children. Bob stepped aside and gave the floor to me. I took a deep breath and looked down at the scribbled notes in my hand. The parents stared at me, waiting. I didn't know what to say or how to start. Another long moment passed, the thick, heavy silence returning. 
No one knew what was coming next, least of all me. Finally, I just looked up and spoke. Your children are here, I blurted out, and there is something they want you to know. <laughs>